you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And on today's episode of LOM, we got plenty to talk about, including, oh yes, Bill Self has drawn my ire once again when I broke the news yesterday about Missouri and Kansas postponing their game. Well, I I held back because I didn't know all the facts, but now that we've got more details about why this game is postponed, well, Bill Self, you've got a little bit of venom coming your way. Plus, I want to break down the Missouri defense, just from a big-picture perspective, philosophically, it's really interesting to me how much different this Ryan Walters defense just is schematically than the Gary Pinkle era was. And I just want to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of both philosophies, and, well, maybe you can decide which one suits you best. But first, we do have to start, unfortunately, again, with some negative COVID-19 news. And by negative, I mean, of course that the Florida Gators have too many positive tests right now. And, of course, we know the Vanderbilt Commodores, that game supposed to be Missouri's homecoming game this Saturday, 6 o'clock, now moved to December 12th, I believe. Well, now it's looking like what was going to be Missouri's next game is in trouble as well. Now, first of all, yesterday, as I was recording this podcast and making the case that Actually, a Vanderbilt game, a de facto bye week at this point, may actually be a blessing in disguise for Mizzou. I didn't realize that Eli Drinkwitz was making that very point in his press conference this week. So, good to hear that I'm a genius, obviously, as usual. But seriously, more to the point, I think that, yeah, most people seem to agree that that wasn't the worst thing in the world, coming off an emotional victory with some more guys that were going to sit out again with their own contact tracing issues and what have you. For the Vanderbilt game, obviously some real positives there that we can all see. But frankly, another week off. If Missouri were to then not play Florida, okay, now we're, we're not talking about blessing in disguise anymore. Now, to me, this is a negative. If you have another week off, that's too much. I'm not the world's biggest believer in momentum necessarily, but... It has to be somewhat real. It has to be somewhat of an actual thing. I mean, certainly you want to you want to keep the the good feelings going. You want to keep playing football for all intents and purposes. Forget about momentum. If you're a golfer and you don't go to the driving range for a couple weeks, your swing is probably going to be a little bit off. That's just the way it goes. So I just don't want to see a situation where Missouri is going to go three weeks almost between its last great victory and actually playing another football game. But I guess that's all out of our control at this point. And now moving to basketball really quickly and that dastardly Bill Self. According to Dave Matter at the Post-Dispatch, a source indicated Mizzou officials were willing to play this year's game on a different date, but the sides couldn't come to an agreement. The T-Mobile Center's capacity would have certainly been reduced for this year's game because of the coronavirus. Now I want to add a caveat here. Obviously, I don't know who this, quote, source is. And obviously, sources have their own agendas often. So maybe this person is trying to get 
the narrative out that they would like to be pushed by the Mizzou media. That's quite possible. But you know what? For the sake of this discussion, let's just believe this source and say that this is true. Well, is this just not classic Bill Self or what? Now, Missouri, of course, should have a decent team this year. Certainly, they're expected to have a lot more, about as much returning production as as very few other teams in the country next year between Drew Smith, Jeremiah Tillman, Mark Smith, Torrance Watson, the list goes on. Just a lot of guys with experience there. Xavier Pinson, obviously. Drew Bugs has obviously played a lot of time down in Hawaii, finishing out his career with the Tigers as well. So clearly, if you're Bill Self, would you rather start off this new Kansas-Missouri series, which clearly he wasn't all that hot to trot to start up in the first place? Well, wouldn't you rather play a rebuilding Missouri team that has almost no production whatsoever returning in the 21-22 season versus this coming December. I don't know, is that too cynical? For Bill Self, frankly, I don't think that it is. It's also a perfect excuse for Kansas to then act like, well, obviously we take the coronavirus more seriously than these rubes over in over in Columbia across across the Missouri River. So, yeah, I don't know. Just something about that whole thing doesn't sit well with me. It just seems like, okay, what exactly is the science behind, well, Missouri and Kansas can't play, but Kansas and Kansas State, they can certainly play, and Kansas can play Iowa State, and they can play Nebraska and Oklahoma State and all these other teams in neighboring states, but by golly, we got to cancel the Missouri game. Now, to be fair to them, I think they canceled their Colorado game, the USC game, so a, a nice again, a nice perfect excuse for the Jayhawks to duck the Tigers. And again, that might sound stupid if you're a Kansas fan. And frankly, if you're a Kansas fan and listening to this, what do you just hate yourself? But anyway, regardless, the point is I understand how that sounds. But really, if you want to get cynical and you're Bill Self and you just think, you know, our recruiting has taken a bit of a hit here. Uh, we're not exactly scared of Missouri, but you know what I don't want to see? Missouri upsetting us in year one of this thing in KC. So instead, let's play a super-duper young Missouri team in year one. By the way, not in Kansas City, but in Allen Fieldhouse. Not hard to see how that benefits the Kansas Jayhawk basketball team. And you know what, Bill Self? Fuck you, buddy. How about that? And with that bit of professionalism out of the way, what better time to transition to our friends at Built Go? And if you love the protein-packed, chocolatey goodness of Built Bar, well, the same people who brought you those excellent chocolatey treats are also bringing you a new product designed to help you break through your wall, whether it's mental or physical, and give you the energy you need to power through your day. And the beauty of Built Go is it works just like a monster energy drink, but with a third of the caffeine and better results. It's a natural energy boost, so it's much better for the body. And it's pocket size, so you can take it anywhere you go to work, to the golf course, and it's available in three delicious flavors peanut, butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. So visit builtgo.com and use the promo code locked for 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. 
Well, since the KU basketball game is being postponed, and by the way, they're just going to move that game that would have been in 2020. This year, they're going to move it to the very end, just one year tacked on to the end of what was going to be a six-game schedule here. So this game will be replayed. I don't have the exact date in front of me. I guess 26 or 27 will be when this game is played, if I had to guess off the top of my head. Somewhere around there. So, yeah, look forward to that if you're still around in six or seven years. But speaking of surviving, yes, COVID-19. And because of the virus, obviously, once again, the KU game postponed. So you might be asking yourself, well, what about bragging rights? That's in the same month. That's a non-conference opponent. That's a neutral floor. Well, quite honestly, we have no idea because, quite frankly, the Big Ten is still very much focused on football. They've yet to kick off the season, about to do so pretty soon here, but they're still working out all the kinks. And, you know, honestly, the Big Ten's set an even bigger, I think an even longer gestation period. Maybe that's the wrong term. A longer quarantine period, probably a better term than the SEC and the other major conferences have. I think if you're contact traced or tested positive, you're out up to 21 days. So, yeah, uh, that's a really long period of time. And as we've seen, Vanderbilt game postponed, Florida game in doubt. Really, it's all going to come down. This Florida game, it's going to come down to the retesting, it seems to me. Because if 19 players are truly going to be un- unavailable for Florida, well, that's really going to put them at the minimum of meeting the 53-man thro- scholarship threshold or any of the position minimums, especially at defensive line, offensive line, and quarterback. But again, I think it's going to all come down to the retesting. How many of these guys, how many of the guys who come back, who, who were contact traced, how many of them test negative? And how many of the people who originally tested positive, well, they're going to get retested. Obviously, we've seen many, many people have had false positives in the world of sports. From Freddie Freeman is a big one, Atlanta Braves' first baseman. Notably, in the early part of this, had several false positives. And several other players have as well. We've, we've just seen this over and over again. So, in other words, while it doesn't look great right now for the Florida game, let's stay tuned. I'm not ready to cancel it just yet. And just some quick injury updates from the head coach yesterday. Apparently, if the Florida game is played in about a week and a half, Kobe Whiteside will be out once again. So he was not out with any type of COVID-related reasons. Some sort of injury for Kobe. Sounds like he's out for sure. Obviously, that's a hit to our defensive line on the interior. Those guys played well against LSU, but certainly we would like to have Kobe back. And also... On the interior, Darius Robinson, Coach Drinkwitz, hopes to have him back for the Florida game. And also, certainly Jarvis Ware, a kid we saw get banged up in the Alabama game fairly early in that game. He came back, played limited snaps against LSU. Certainly, he, among anybody, probably benefits from having a week off as much as anybody. So... Certainly, if he doesn't make it for Florida, or if the Florida game isn't played, he's certainly expected to play against Florida. But even another week for him, that would be, I guess, the one bright side of this is just the guys like Ware and Whiteside having a little bit more time to heal up. But again, overall, I think that would be bad news for Missouri if a second consecutive week 
were postponed. By the way, I've talked a decent bit in this space lately about judging the process over the results. And it just occurred to me that probably the best example I can give of that is, in fact, fumbles that are lost and fumbles that are recovered. Because there is statistically, and this is borne out in everything I've ever seen studied about football, there is no statistical correlation between fumbles recovered and fumbles lost. It's basically all pure luck over the long term. Now, just to be clear, that doesn't mean that an individual player can't make a really good hustle play and recover a fumble. And that type of play can save a football game. I'm not trying to say that that type of action is lucky. Clearly, hustle is not lucky. But my point is in saying that that it's not, I'm basically saying it's not sustainable. There's no such thing as a good fumble recovery team. It, it just doesn't exist, at least not statistically. So there's, I think that's a big reason why coaches don't really, not just safety, but just in terms of results, what's the point of the drill where you just throw the ball in the field and have a bunch of guys dive on top of it in practice? Seems like you're a lot more likely to get somebody hurt than you are to actually increase your chances of recovering a fumble in the future. Because again, from season to season, let's say you have really good luck at, like, let's say you recover, you recover 90% of your fumbles somehow one year. Well, there's no correlation to you recovering another 90% or 80% the next year. In fact, the more likely result is it'll be right around 50% like it almost always is for most teams over the long term. Basically, a fumble recovery is like flipping a coin over the long term. Yeah, you can hit heads five times in a row, but don't make that, don't make you think, don't be fooled into thinking that it makes it the next flip is more likely than to be heads. That's you fooling yourself, and that is the ultimate gambler's fallacy. So, the real reason I bring that up is obviously Missouri's ball security left a lot to be desired against LSU and. Just don't fool yourself into thinking, well, well, we only lost one of the muffed punts and actually recovered another one. See, I'm sure that's not how Eli Drinkwitz looks at this. I'm saying he, he's not saying, oh, he's obviously in terms of results, he's very happy we recovered a fumble. That had a huge impact on us winning the game, was recovering one of those muffed punts. But the reality is you can't count on that going forward, is my point. So, we got to clean up the muffs, and frankly, three muffs in one season is enough already. Missouri shouldn't have another one the rest of the way. And you know what? Let's close this baby out right after the break with some talk about the Pinkle-era defense versus the Ryan Walters, Barry Odom, Eli Drinkwitz era. Well, the defensive transition when Barry Odom took over for Gary Pinkle in the pre-Ryan Walters days was certainly tumultuous, wasn't it? And that may be the kindest thing that has ever been said about Gary Payne, or I'm sorry, Barry Odom's pursuit of a new defensive coordinator and defensive line coach as well. And well, obviously, that got quite the debate started between all Mizzou fans. And that was obviously the Gary Pinkle style of defense with Craig Kuligowski, the defensive line coach, focused very much on an aggressive athletic four-man defensive front and the irony is while 
that front four was extremely aggressive in terms of trying to get off the ball and get to the quarterback. It was the back seven of that defense that was actually quite conservative in terms of X's and O's that actually made that style of defense possible. Because while it was fun to watch Alden Smith, Michael Sam, all those type of guys get to the quarterback from the edge, well, frankly, sometimes that over-pursuit was at the expense of staying in your gaps in the running game and also be really vulnerable to over-aggression in the screen game, misdirection, draw plays, all that kind of stuff. But the way you, in theory at least, the way that Missouri would make up for that is, again, on their back seven, their three linebackers, four defensive backs in their base set, would generally be in a fairly soft cover two zone. That was generally their base defense. So what that did is that, that allowed a lot of Missouri middle linebackers, for instance, like Sean Weatherspoon, over the years to, well, they had to stay in their gaps and, by golly, play the run and make a lot of tackles because that wasn't necessarily happening from the defensive line all the time if they didn't blow the play up. And then on the other hand, in coverage, famously lots of Missouri fans would get annoyed with this, but usually our defensive backs would play, you know, eight to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and play fairly soft zone coverage, keep the play in front of you, that kind of deal. But here's the thing with that, here's the plus to that kind of defense. You guys can all guess the negatives. The negatives are, well, you kind of are vulnerable to short yardage passing. If the team is, if the team is content to throw five to 10 yard outs and hitches to the boundary all game and they execute that well, well, they're probably going to move the football pretty effectively. But the theory in that style of defense is that, especially at the college level, is if you force college football players to not hit big plays, you affect, if you force them to just execute over and over again in order to move the chains sort of methodically, eventually there's going to be a, a screw-up. Eventually you are going to get to the quarterback, get a sack, and get off the field. Or maybe you'll force a turnover. Because, again, in that soft zone, yeah, you're trying to force the ball outside the numbers. Well, what does that give the defensive backs a better chance to do? Especially because they're in a zone, they're looking back at the quarterback. Well, occasionally they're going to break on that football and intercept a pass. There's a reason that Gary Pinkle defenses generally were on the positive side of the turnover margin, and that's part of it. They they gave themselves more opportunities to get turnovers by forcing the teams to grind its way down the field. Now, again, of course, the, the negatives of this defense were fairly obvious, and the most glaring example probably was that 2013 SEC championship game against the Auburn Tigers, where basically they used the aggression of our defensive line against us. But again, back to that Gary, I'm sorry, I keep trying to say Gary Odom. Back to that Barry Odom transition, and the big debate was, you can see why Barry wanted to change the defensive line a little bit. You can see why, at least schematically in terms of X's and O's, he and Kuligowski butted heads. Because Barry very much wants his defensive linemen to play more disciplined football, to stay in their gaps in order to play the run better, and all that good stuff. And Barry was also more likely to bring his linebackers and pressure, and safeties as well, just bring blitzers and that kind of thing. 
And eventually he found a guy in Ryan Walters who fits more of that type of scheme. And here's the deal. If you're the type of fan that got irritated with Gary Pinkle and Matt Eberflus, who, by the way, is in the NFL now and has been for some time, about the relatively soft coverage of the Missouri defensive backs, well, you certainly can't complain about that anymore. Because Ryan Walters, for all the, you know, he, he takes some heat on occasion. All coordinators take heat. But you can't say what Ryan Walters isn't aggressive enough. Because as I watched that LSU game from the stands, which gave me a nice perspective of what everybody was doing defensively, I'm telling you, I didn't see maybe but one down, maybe on third and 20 or something. But I don't even remember that, quite frankly. Every single down that I can recall, Missouri had single high safety. There was no cover two soft coverage that I could see. It was mostly cover one man-to-man style jam coverage defense. And by golly, we brought extra men in pressure too. Now, obviously, that aggression paid off on fourth and one. Josh Bledsoe, great jam coverage on Marshall, won the game for Missouri. Also, they brought extra men on that play. Now, obviously, red zone defense is a little bit different than your base defense in terms of how aggressive you can be. But I think the point remains. Missouri was used to playing aggressive man defense, and in that situation, they were ready for it there as well. Now, obviously, there's downsides to playing a lot of aggressive man coverage if you watch the Kansas City Chiefs every week, you realize basically anytime Patrick Mahomes sees man coverage, he's going to take off and run if he needs to on a, on a key situation on third and six. So obviously a little bit harder to contain the scrambling game. Man coverage, sometimes a little bit harder to get your run fits depending on the situation. And certainly if the more aggressive you are, the more you blitz, which Walter's clearly more of a blitzer, than we ever were in the Gary Pinkle era, you're going to be you're going to sometimes give up some big plays to screens, to draws, to all that good stuff, to misdirection, and and that's okay. And again, the contrast is is it seems like Missouri is much more aggressive in its secondary than it was under Pinkle, but also yet more conservative with its front four, with its defensive linemen. So. Again, there's pluses and minuses to both styles of defense, and really, which one you like is kind of just more of a preference. I think that ultimately, though, in modern college football, my goodness, did you all see that Ole Miss-Alabama game? I mean, everybody can score now. We're just going to have to readjust what we think a good defense is, and honestly, The Gary Pinkle style of bend but don't break is looking more intelligent every day. And that's not, but on the other side, Ryan Walters, if you just say, well, the heck with it, let's just be aggressive and try to force the action, try to force a loss play to, to force a punt in or force a turnover, that sounds good. The problem is, it sure seems like we haven't, I don't think Missouri has one takeaway through three games. So, Ironically, maybe being more conservative on the back end actually yields more turnovers. I don't know. Again, small sample size here. Just something to think about. Frankly, we should all be thinking about our defensive philosophies in football for at least you know a good 20-25% of the day, right? At least that's how I do it. But 
Anyway, if you're not as weird as I am, well, continue to join this show and get my insights and opinions on Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. Though, honestly, I still haven't decided if I'm going to do five this week with a de facto bye week and a little bit of a weird schedule personally. So just play it by ear. We'll see what happens. If I'm not going to shoot you one, I'll throw out a message on social media everywhere at Locked on Mizzou. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.